main activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Eerie Americus. I'm one of your hosts, Christy Hull. And this is your other host, Vicky Ayala. I was talking to Vicky before we started, and the day has gotten progressively better. The day started off really rough, so I'm glad that things are getting better. Vicky's apartment was freezing cold. Yeah, my heat, it's weird. My heat was working, just not the heat in my living room. And as she's telling me this, my husband and I are trying to go on a trail just to try to take in the last few days of the year before we can get a lot of snow and stuff. Our car breaks down. Well, not really broke down. It just did a slow and steady heaval and it wouldn't go past a certain thing. And you can't do that on the highway. So that was loads of fun. Um, But we decided to keep on trucking for you guys today and record. So I hope you guys enjoy this because it was rough getting here. I'm not going to lie. It was one of those where she texted me. She's like, she sends me a picture of her on the side of the road. And she's like, so how's your day going? I was like, well, I have no heat. So and and it's 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 a it's 30 degrees in New York. So it's like. I was like, it's not great. And then like, it's so funny because I know both neither of us was in the mood to record. And she's like, let me just calm down and get this shit over with. And I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. Tell me when you're home. And like, but so nor, as usual, we have our little chats before we start and having our little chats really did make us feel better so that we weren't like super drab and like horrible here. But speaking of drab, we do have a review that is not going to be very pleasant Which for some I people. Which I made Christy binge watch some shows on some Vicky level stuff because I wanted to talk about it. And I'm so very proud of her for using her television because she really doesn't use it. I mean, I use it, just not the l- not, level not to Vicky my does. Level. Vicky's like a pro TV watcher. <laughs> I have watched three separate shows in its entirety just this week. And Christy had to be like, all right, we can't review all of them. So pick two. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to pick two right now. One we are kind of split on slash don't really, aren't really thrilled about. And then one that we absolutely loved. I want to start with what we absolutely loved because it was something that I was stressing Vicky to watch for weeks, Mm -hmm. but she's always on a binge and is like, no, I don't want to mix shows. She's very anti-mixing of shows versus me. I can watch one or two episodes of one thing and then switch to the other like no. I'm all about that Vicky's very like, ri- no, like ritualistic <laughs> yeah you're very ritualistic so I was begging her to check out the Queen's Gambit because it was like in my opinion it was hands down one of the best shows that happened in 2020 like I don't I know it broke tons of records and the United States ran out of chess sets because everyone all of a sudden wants their sons and daughters to be the next Bobby Fisher. I think it was amazing I loved it and I was praying that she would love it and I was glad that I was right yeah she has been asking me every time I tell her I started something else she was like why don't you just watch it already and she told me my sister told me a couple of my friends told me so I watched it flew through it literally yeah, it was like I, a day right? I, flew, I flew through it in one day I loved it for several reasons I just think one I'm, I'm I, you know I'm all about having a female lead I really loved it but I just really loved the plot it was and it's one of those things where like you know there's certain things you watch and it's like oh that's not your type of show I feel like anybody could watch this and enjoy it you don't have to have a type of show that you like and that's what I kind of liked about it it didn't like subscribe to any one thing I think anybody could enjoy it there's drama there's drug addiction there's alcoholism there's a strong female lead and then like chess boggles my mind but there was just something about the time period and everything the plot that just really like you never got bored watching it even though you're literally sitting there watching them play chess and you have no idea what the fuck is going on I thought I would be bored with that and I wasn't I was so fascinated I wanted to like know what they were doing 
it just, it just, I just loved it. And one of the things I loved about it too is like, we try to pretend that sexuality and alcoholism and gender issues have never really been prevalent up until this point. But the show was based in the 60s and it touched upon so much of that. And it shows that it's been a problem. It just was never talked about. And that's what I loved about it. Yeah, it's kind of swept under the rug and people like were used to it. But it's always been an issue. It was respectful because it still touched upon social issues without going, making it the premise of the show. Right. It, It was still, she was addicted to a lot of things at once and yet she's this genius. Like it showed so much complexity in so many different ways. It also showed like, you know, we do see a lot of drug and alcohol in movies, but they're always showing how not functional you can be. I know a lot of functional alcoholics. I know a lot of functional drug addicts. And I kind of liked seeing someone that was functional while doing that because it's not always someone that's homeless and sitting on a corner and shooting things up there. It's not every out. Like, I think functional is an understatement. She yeah. was a master. She was like, a She master. became a master. It was complex in terms of the plot, but the, how they shot it was so beautiful. It was beautiful. And that's what you were talking about. There was this imagery that you just kind of went along with where you didn't even understand what you were watching, but the way that they attacked the board mm-hmm. and then would flash to something else going on. Or flashed to her brain and her thinking about chess. It was just so beautifully written. And I She's feel like incredibly talented. Everything that they did had a purpose. So the fact that she had a certain color hair was purpose. There wasn't a lot of color in it. It was void of a lot of color. Yep. And they did it on purpose. And mm-hmm. they wanted they didn't want you to focus on a lot of things. Like I feel like they didn't want you to focus on her face or her clothes. I just I, I kinda like that it was void of color. I like that it wasn't super bright. I just you know, I just I just kinda liked everything, the the cinematography. I really liked how they shot it. And I find it interesting that you like mentioned Bobby Fisher because like I was telling Christy, what I liked about it was that it was a lot of her was in Bobby Fisher's story. So like it was emulated through her. What I liked about the fact that it was done with a female is that Bobby Fisher was not a fan of women playing chess and he thought they were less intelligent. So I was like, this is an awesome take on Bobby Fisher, but a woman that he probably wouldn't even like because she's a woman. What I liked about the show too is like how they interacted with Russia really fascinated me because in America, we tend to make Russians the villain and they made they didn't make them the villain per se they made them the challenger as opposed to making them come off as like evil or and what i liked it was they showed how serious russia is about chess and i liked what they said about the fact that the chess players help each other when they're not competing against each other and i think that had a big impact on me thinking about how we should look at things in our country you know and i never thought i would take away from something that like a Russian character would ever say. But I thought that was a really interesting point there too. Yeah, I really feel like everybody would enjoy it. If you haven't checked it out, I really think you should because it mm-hmm. was it was extremely fascinating. It's just, even though she's playing chess pretty much the whole time, it just, it never gets boring watching her play. Definitely. And we highly I, recommend watching yeah, it. Yeah, definitely recommend that one. Now, now we're the other go. one. So this was long awaited for us people. So we're going to have a lot to say on this. We were waiting on Selena the series as Latin women that grew up really entrenched in the Selena y Losino story. So we were really looking forward to it. We were counting down. I didn't get out of bed. That antici- like that level of anticipation just turned my TV on in bed, which Some I never Some of our do. friends literally woke up at five o'clock in the morning to start watching the show because they wanted to watch it because it was so highly anticipated. We were very, very excited for the show. I had a lot of issues with it. <laughs> I don't want to... Oh, by the way, I called this. I knew she would. Because I, I started watching it before she did. I was like, you're not going to be a fan. I, I waited because I wanted to watch it with our with our friend. I'm going to start with what I liked because I feel like there's a lot more that I didn't like. One, I did really like that they showed a lot more. Because, you know, in a movie, 
you can't really get into certain things. You have to make it quick. So, of course, they didn't exactly show her entire journey from when she started singing with Los Dinos all the way to getting signed by a record label and then trying to make her English language album. So I really liked that we saw more of that because you got to see her older stuff, the stuff that really... Like the stuff that she, like all the music that she did leading up to all the music that everybody knows. All of the hits that mm-hmm. weren't like huge that you you know if you're a really big Selena fan, but like it's not the ones that you hear all the time. It's not Bidi Bidi Bum Bum. It's not, it's not Como La Flor. It's all the, uh, it's all the other stuff. So I did like that they showed a lot more of that journey, which again, totally. you can do when you do a show. So I did like that. I actually really, really liked who played her when she was younger. That girl has an amazing fucking voice. Phenomenal. That, I mean, that's pretty much all. Selena died 25 years ago at this point. We have watched her performances for 25 years. We've also had the movie for about 23 years because it came out two years after she died. We know Selena. Even if you, we were, I was super young, I was nine when she died. I still feel like I know her. Same. So when you grow up watching her performances and then you had a movie that emulated her, you have a lot of expectations for whoever plays her. Now, I wasn't like everybody else like pissed off at who was who was um cast for selena i feel like a lot of people get pissed off at castings and then they see the project and they're like eating their words so i never like to judge who they cast right off the bat i wanted to give her a fair shot but that being said again we have grown up watching her performances we know why selena was so loved she just something about her she captivated her audiences she during her performance you felt like she was singing to you you felt like you could feel her performance. She was very enigmatic. She was. She had this yeah. humongous personality, amazing performer. She danced all over the place. And that's why everybody loved her. So to watch a show where someone is playing that character and she is stiff on a stage and cannot dance and is standing in the same place, you're not acting like her. That's not who she was. Yeah. Jennifer Lopez got it down. She did. You know, she, Selena did her footwork. She did her turns. You, everybody knows the washing machine. Everybody knows everything that she did. So to see that they're purposely editing her from the top up because they know that she can't get the footwork and to basically see the same stiff moves was very upsetting to me because that is not what Selena was. And I feel like there's way too much material out there for you not to be able to capture it. I agree. And so that, some of that like was just like, oh man, that was a little disappointing i'm not saying you have to you know obviously you know nobody's gonna be selena but there's just certain things that as a selena fan you know that that's not her standing in the same spot on stage the whole song was not her that's just not something she did during her performances and i also get very annoyed when people lip sync off like you're on netflix and you have a humongous budget for editing the fact that she was seconds behind on lip syncing was very bothersome to me right The thing I liked about it, and this is like my takeaway of the whole general situation, I love that they included more of the Dino story. I knew they would because obviously the family's producing it and stuff. So they're going to tell more their side of the story because I felt like I knew Selena's side. Like like you said, we grew up watching her. We watched the movie. We've read the books, you know, but I loved watching Suzette struggling on the drums. We know she's not the greatest drummer, but like for her to acknowledge that was great. I love seeing how Abraham hustled and worked so hard to get his family where he had to go. Basically, it felt more like a, a story about a loving Latino family who happened to raise an icon. And that's what I liked about it. Like it was more 
family oriented than I expected. I thought it was going to be the same regurgitated story I heard over and over again. But there were moments where I felt like it was real. Like I was watching it actually unfold. Like when that girl came up to Suzette, like I believe that happened, you know, and I love seeing those moments of authenticity. So that was the moments I appreciated in the story. I think in general, I agree with most of what you said, but at the end of the day, I was happy to see something different from what I was expecting. I was expecting the same story just told differently for the new generation. I felt like now that as somebody that's grown up with her, I got a complete story. The Dino story and Selena's story. And now I know Selena y los Dinos. I guess. Um, I mean, I guess that the, <laughs> if, if you're if you're part of the new generation that has no idea and hasn't, then you'll probably right. like it and it's great. It's going to open up her and her story and her music to a whole new generation of people. For anyone who's grown up with her, it was just disappointing. And that's just... yeah. I'm not sad that I watched it. I'm not upset that it exists. It brought a lot of nostalgia. And I'm 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 happy that it's gonna open up her story to a whole new generation of people. It makes that makes me happy. And it did make me just want to watch her videos again and just fall in love with her again and realize how much I still love her music and how much she still resonates with with the Latin community. So that's why I'm not like gonna say like, oh my god, don't watch it, hate it, never eliminate it from Netflix. I don't. I'm still glad that it exists. I'm just we had a lot of expectations and I just feel disappointed, but I still don't, I still don't hate that it exists. Um, I still, I'm still going to like it cause I'm never going to hate anything Selena related because I mean, they got some of her outfits, right? I just love seeing, I also love that they showed a lot more of her making her own clothes and because at the end of the day, they didn't have the money to get other people to do things. And it just shows you what people do when they're forced to forced into it. It's a you resilient learn, Latino you, family. You learn, you learn how to write a song. You'll learn how to produce the song. You'll learn how to play the instrument. And you'll learn how to you'll make your own damn clothes. You'll learn how to hear music different. You'll yeah, learn how to see you have things to. You don't have You don't have the means to do it any other way. So it is still a coming of age like story where I still think it's worth a watch. I just wouldn't go in there with the expectations that, that I probably went in there with. Totally. That's fair. Let's get into this Reddit post. This is going to be something resonates really well with you, actually, because we've talked about it before. This is from the Paranormal off Reddit, and the username is Shoe Horror. And it was Ouija Board Grandmother. (laughs) So I was like, okay, off the bat, I got to read this. Just a short experience I have had. I've seen a lot of Ouija Board experiences lately, so I decided to share mine. I'm on mobile, so sorry about formatting. When I was about 10 or 11, my brother and his friend were playing with a Ouija board at the kitchen table. Uh, They were both about six or seven and couldn't come up with questions, so my mom was drying the dishes and was giving them some lines. Ask if it's a boy or a girl. It replied, girl. Ask if you knew her. Uh, The reply was yes. Ask who she is. She writes, G-R-A-M, Graham. My brother's friend said it can't be Graham because his grandmother was alive. So was ours. So my mom said, well, ask her her name. They spelled out the name letter by letter, and my mom put the dishes down and packed up the board. She told my brother's friend that it was time to leave and we should get ready for bed. I asked her what was wrong. Why did she have me go to bed? And my mom told me the name they spelled out was her grandmother's name. My brother didn't know my great-grandmother's name, and I didn't either, but that was the last time my mom let us play with that Ouija board. I'm just, if you looked at, if you could see my face right now, I'm just a little baffled at why this family was totally just playing with a Ouija board in the kitchen while the mom washed dishes as if they're reading a book or something. Like Because people do that, bro. It's, we don't believe it, but people do and it. And the only reason that she was not okay with it is because her fucking grandmother came through. Like, what did you think was going to happen when you just let your kids play with the fucking Ouija board in the kitchen table? It's like, all right, let's let's pack it up. That's great grandma, yo. She must have had a message. She was waiting a long time. I would have been like, all right, well, I guess we're going with this. Let's and also, see where it's it goes. like, is that really the end of the story? Because I feel like 
thing that just is like the beginning of the story. Like what happened after? Because I'm pretty sure Graham didn't just pop up and disappear. Like I need to know more. I need to know. I need to know more. She put that away and was like, never touch it again. And that was But you know, I do appreciate that she packed that shit up real quick. Like she did not let it get further. The name was out and she was done. And it was like, you need to leave. Like, because sometimes these stories go on way too long. And it's like, why didn't you just stop it? Like at that first opportunity that you had to stop it. So I know it's hard to believe that after all of these episodes, we have topics that we haven't covered, but I have found a topic that we did not cover and it came completely by accident. (laughs) I don't know why, but the other day I was just like in a mood and everything was frustrating me. And I think I made a comment to like my brother or someone that I was going to like spontaneously, somebody, somebody spontaneously combusting. And I was like, hmm, spontaneous combustion. And then I just started like, started looking it up. And I'm like, I wonder if there's been like any like documented cases. And of course there have. We are going to be talking about spontaneous human combustion, which as per Wikipedia, I'm going to read directly, quoting, is the concept of the combustion of a living or recently deceased human body without an apparent external source of ignition. In addition to reported cases, descriptions of the alleged phenomena appear in literature and both types have been observed to share common characteristics in terms of circumstances and the remains of the victim. So basically, there's been a lot of investigations to try to like figure out if this is a real thing because, you know, they call it phenomena. And they basically have stated that human behavior and habits and alcohol consumption are one of the like common things that happens in these cases. You know, there's, of course, you know, they always try to have natural explanations. But the current consensus is that most cases of spontaneous human combustion involve like what they call overlooked external sources of ignition. I really don't think that's what it is. I think it just bothers people that they can't find fucking explanations. But we're going to jump into some cases of spontaneous human combustion. I'm really curious about this because Charlie is one of the hottest sleepers I've ever met in my life, specifically by his stomach. Like if he's not hungry, if he's eaten, if he's eaten through the day and he's full or like really, really full, I'll touch his stomach and think he's running a fever. Like that's how hot he'll feel. Or at night, if he bundles himself up and his like, I, call, I always say his furnace is burning because that's literally what it feels like. It feels like a furnace. I'm like, when your furnace is on fire, you're sweating, but he's still wrapping his body up like he's cold. So I always m- make jokes about like one day he's going to combust. So I'm going to listen closely because I need to know the signs in case it actually <laughs> happens because I'm not going to jail for this. So I'm, I'm putting it out there in public. My husband is the hottest sleeper on the planet. So meanwhile, it's perfect for me because I'm always cold. So like if that I get hot, I can just touch him. At the same time, I worry. So this is going to be good. This is information the, for me. The so most surprising part of what you said is that you said Charlie gets full. <laughs> it yeah. happens. So the first case is Glenn B. Denny. Um, September 18th, 1952, Glenn B. Denny of New Orleans, New Louisiana, supposedly committed suicide. But the circumstances of his suicide were so crazy that people still, it's unclear what happened. At the time, his death was actually investigated by a, nam- a man named Otto Burma. And all of this information is from an article that he wrote for Fate magazine once he investigated this man's death. The article was published in May of 1953. In the article, it stated that Thursday, September 18, 1952, around 1 p.m. in a subsection of New Orleans, a neighbor smelled smoke coming from the apartment above hers. She called the police, who then called the fire department. The fire department comes, breaks down the door, and finds the source of the smoke. It is a burning human body. Uh, there's a lieutenant named Louis Waddingy on he was one of the first firemen on the scene and he stated quote the man was lying on the floor behind the door and he was a mass of flames not another blessed thing in the room was burning he was dead 
I don't know what caused the fire to burn so hot. He could have been saturated with some oil. I did not smell anything, however. In all my experience, I never saw anything to beat this. So basically, just picture something's on fire, but nothing else in the room is on fire. You see, yeah. I mean... Just the one person. We know how fires work. Dwight told us in fire safety. They spread. It's his body is burning. Nothing else is burning and they don't smell anything. When something is lit on fire with gasoline, you smell the gasoline. Or even kerosene or any of those things. You smell it. They didn't smell anything. According to the article, there was never any evidence of cigarettes, smoking, and there was no sign of a struggle. The door was locked. The windows were shut. There was no blood. So, of course, they did an autopsy. And that's when the man was identified. He was 46. He was just a quiet dude. People, he was just kind of like a normal dude. But he had been suffering from alcoholism. He had like alcoholic shakes. That's what people knew about him. On September 19th, the newspapers uh, recounted the details of the case. Except this time, they started claiming that the fireman who broke in detected a strong odor of gasoline. Which we all know is not true. So this detail led the guy, Otto... He kind of he went to the, the police station and the fire department and he's trying to figure out, did you smell gasoline or did you not smell gasoline? That's huge. That's a huge thing. But of course, there were no simple answers for him. The officials there confirmed that the only burning object in the room was the guy's body, but told Burma that he needed to go to the criminal records office to view the full report if he wanted to get any more answers. So they were being very, very hush hush. But the one thing they told him is that's even if you smelled gasoline as suspicious is that the only thing burning was the body and nothing else. And see, no matter what, though, what's interesting, too, I'm thinking about like the reality of what it takes to actually light someone on fire. It would still somehow get on the floor. It would would still get on something else. Like there's no way you could just get liquid on an individual, light them on fire in an unventilated room or a small enclosure. Right. Remember, all the windows are shut and nothing else else lights on fire. fire. That's crazy. So then the following Sunday, the police report section of the local newspaper reported that the man had died from his burns, but never stated what caused the fire that burned him. It was also reported that his wrists and ankles had been severed. Burma contacted the coroner's office, you know, asking questions, which again, he got no answers to. Their findings, they explained, was that he had been despondent and there must have been, like, he must have tried to kill himself with the severed arteries. Yes, sure. Then they say it stated, mind you, they stated that his wrists, like the ar- arteries were were severed, which means he ch- tried to slice his wrists. So they stated that he missed to slice his wrist and then poured kerosene on himself and lit himself on fire. Oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Now, here's the other detail. Carbon was found in his lungs, which means he was alive when he started burning. I don't know a single person that would be lit on fire while they're alive and not move. Right. And keep it all in that same area. Um, the coroner didn't explain how he knew kerosene had been used. He also couldn't explain how a man with blood shooting from his wrist could possibly light himself on fire. And again, there was no blood found on the scene. So if he sliced his wrist, where did the blood go? Right. Huh. So, so if this isn't freaking already nuts, three weeks later, he gets a copy of the official police report. Though a knife with blood stains was found on the scene, there was no evidence of any cause for the fire. No matches, no gasoline, no kerosene, no accelerant, nothing. Yet the report just simply stated that it was a suicide and the case was closed. So Otto Burma finished out his article on the incident by basically comparing it to other reports of spontaneous human combustion, where, you know, like I said, it was when a human body can sometimes ignite from the inside and burn to ash in a very, very short amount of time. And there's still no answers on this case. That's it. It was closed because it was considered a suicide, even though there was 
no evidence to suggest obvious evidence that it wasn't a suicide right like we've talked about before, especially in the medical field, when they don't have answers, they just want to rule. They just want to have something it's because the way. they don't want. They can't just sit there and say unknown. You know, like that's only been a more recent thing in the last, I'd say, like 30, 40 years, where you'll actually see unknown cause on like somebody's report. Right. But they always, always wanted an answer back in the day. I mean, yep. you know, they used to think women died of hysteria, so you know, right. there was just things like that. They just had to label it. Like, God forbid there not be a label. Next case is the case of Mary Reeser. Roughly 8 a.m. on July 2nd, 1951, Mary Reeser's landlady came to Mary's door with a telegram, which I'm pretty sure some of you youngins don't know what it is, but that's how people used to communicate back in the day. Yeah, telegram is like literally someone's coming with a slip of paper. It's it's a message it's a that's giving you, but it's urgent. So yeah. that's in, in back in the day during the war, that's how they would alert people that their family members were injured or passed away or other emergencies. Also known things. as the OG text message. Yes. So the neighbor, uh, her landlady comes to try to give her a telegram. Uh, She tries the door and she finds that the metal door, like the metal doorknob to her house was kind of warm to the touch, which, you know, is a sign of fire. And she called the police. When the police get there, they find Mary Reeser's remains, which were largely ashes. And they were found among the remains of a chair in which she had been sitting in. Only part of her left foot, which she had a slipper on, and her backbone remained along with her skull. Plastic household objects at the dis- like at like close to where she was sitting were softened and had lost their shapes. So you could say I guess they were close to where she was sitting. Her skull had survived and was found among the ashes, but it was shrunken. Some people say to the size like of a teacup. Like Jeez. her sh- her sh- her skull has shrunk. The shrinkage of her skull was actually. I guess, drastic enough that the investigators were basically trying to figure out why her skull would be so small. Like maybe, I'm going to quote it, remarked on by official investigators and was not an illusion caused by removal of all facial features, ears, nose, lips. Like it's not because none of her facial features were there. Her head has, like her skull has shrunk. It was just a shrunken head. Yeah. Apparently, which we're going to learn right now, the shrinking of the skull has become a regular feature in stories of spontaneous human combustion. Like, it's a thing. I'm just so confused. Because how is it that your body can be on fire, but your head shrinks simultaneously? This episode is going to be a lot of, I yeah, don't know. a lot of unanswered questions. On July 7th, 1951, St. Petersburg Police Chief J.R. Reichert sent a box of evidence from the scene to the FBI. He included glass fragments found in the ashes, um, six small objects that they thought were teeth, a section of the carpet, and the shoe that they found on her left foot, the slipper. The body was almost totally cremated basically and the crazy thing about that is in order for a body to be reduced to ash the fire has to be at an extremely high temperature not just the regular temperature of a fire incinerators and like cremation things the temperature is extremely high for it to reduce your body to ash and the room in which she died in and was found in showed very little evidence of fire something that hot would have burned that entire thing to the ground He also included a note saying, quote, we request any information or theories that could explain how a human body could be so destroyed and the fire confirmed to such a small area and so little damage done to the structure of the building and the furniture in the room, not even scorched or damaged by the smoke. That was the quote in the evidence box that they handed over to the FBI. So the FBI eventually declared Mary Reeser had been incinerated by the wick effect. Now, I looked up the wick effect on Wikipedia, and it said that was the name given to the partial destruction of a human body by fire when the clothing of a victim soaks up melted human fat and acts like the wick of a candle. 
<laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at that. Just the theory is insane. Right. It is commonly offered explanation for the alleged phenomenon of spontaneous human combustion. So she literally just was a candle. Acted like her own candle. There are human candles. Human candles. Apparently, Miss Reeser was a known user of sleeping pills. And some people tried to say that she had maybe fallen unconscious while smoking and set fire to her knife clothes. But the FBI wrote, quote, once the body starts to burn, there is enough fat and other inflammable substances to permit varying amounts of destruction to take place. Sometimes this destruction by burning will proceed to a degree which results in almost complete combustion of the body. That was their little take on it. However, that still doesn't really explain why the fire was contained to that little section of her and her chair and not around to the rest of the furniture. We've seen fires. They destroy buildings. If my apartment lights on fire and they can't control it, the apartment downstairs is going to be destroyed. The apartment next to me is going to be destroyed. It didn't affect any other apartment. It was just that little area where Mary was sitting. So strange. So now the chief of police, but this happened in Florida, in St. Petersburg. So now the chief of police, who was of the one who, hand, yeah, who handed over the information to the FBI to get the investigation going, actually requested that a physical anthropologist also investigate because it just didn't make any fucking sense. So this was sent over to a physical anthropologist named Walton M. Krogman. So Professor Krogman of the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine, he had actually spent a lot of time in the 1930s investigating these types of incidents. He was always he was actually frequently called to the remains of such an inc- uh, of, of these like incidents because they wanted to have him like research it. It's really funny that there always is like a guy. Yeah, there's like a guy that the FBI goes to. <laughs> there's never like a, an instance where that guy is not called or that girl is not summoned or that, you know, it's weird how there's always like a that person for one specified freakish thing like literally they have a guy like that's what it is they They have have a guy guy. like they have a guy guy. so they asked him to you know he was their fbi's guy and he very very much disputed what the fbi said although apparently his version of events and like his disputing of it wasn't even known about for a decade so they kept it under wraps Yep. So he basically wrote about this case and he put, quote, I find it hard to believe that a human body, once ignited, will literally consume itself, burn itself out, as does a candle wick guttering in the last residual pool of melted wax. Just what did happen on the night of July 1st, 1951 in St. Petersburg, Florida. We may never know, though this case still haunts me. So he didn't believe. He was like, this doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Even to the FBI's guy said it didn't make any sense. They have a guy. They got to trust the guy. Yeah. And with regard to her shrunken skull, he wrote, quote, the head is not left completely in ordinary burning cases. Certainly it does not shrivel symmetrically reduced to a smaller size. In the presence of heat sufficient to destroy soft tissues, the skull will literally explode in many pieces. I have never known any exception to this rule. I cannot conceive of such complete cremation without more burning of the apartment itself. In fact, the apartment and everything in it should have been consumed. I regard it as the most amazing thing I have ever seen. As I review it, the short hairs on my neck bristle with vague fear. Were I living in the Middle Ages, I'd mutter something about black magic. Whoa. So he actually puts his statement on the record. And he actually moved away from this position. He didn't do it anymore. Yeah, because he couldn't understand it. He probably freaked him out so bad. I can't blame the guy. Yeah, but instead, he came up with a whole other theory that she had been murdered at another location and her murder had access to a crematorium type of equipment and had incinerated her body. It sounds like he spent years trying to rationalize it and that was his explanation. I mean, he left the whole field. So, I mean, he probably was like, I'm just going to make up whatever. But like he said, the fact that her skull was left intact... And it was shrunken. That doesn't happen in a regular burning. And last time I checked, fires consume. 
So this yeah. was another case of this makes no fucking sense. Right. You might think that in every case of spontaneous combustion, the person dies. They don't. There's people who survive this shit. Oh, that sucks. You know why that sucks? If that happened to me, I would be fearful my entire life that it would happen again. You can't explain why it happened. So you'd yeah. just be like every day I'd wake up like, what am I going to ah, do today ah, that's going to ah. make me spontaneous, spontaneously combust? I'd be having dreams where I'm on fire. Like it would just cause so much massive anxiety for my life. I just, I don't know if I could live that way. If I combust, I want to combust fully. That's all I'm just, right. like, that's the that thing, happens, like. Yeah, but with your luck, you wouldn't. I know, and that's what I'm saying. I would just live torturously every day of my life. And every day she'd wake up wondering if she was going to combust that day. But the first case is the case of James Hamilton. This one's actually all the way back from 1835. Actually appeared in the American Journal of of Medical Sciences, volume 17. And the most notable part of this case is that that's noted is that the victim was extremely calm. Hmm. So in January of 1835, a professor at the University of Nashville, which was James Hamilton, was doing an experiment outside making atmospheric measurements. So he was checking his barometer, his thermometer, hygrometer. See, but he was messing with temperatures. That at least has some semblance of explanation. So he felt a sudden acute pain in the thigh of his left leg. At first, he was just ignoring it as, you know, men do. But then it kept getting more and more intense. And then the pain was unbearable. When he looked at his leg, he noticed that there was a flame emanating from where in his thigh was hurting and right above the cloth of his pants. So at that point, he calmly cupped his hands around the flame in order to cut off its oxygen supply. And it went out and the pain kind of went away. And then he kind of just went about expecting his leg. And that's why it was so noticeable because he was so fucking calm. And so this article basically stated that they think it's just because out of general scientific curiosity because he was like, a, you know, he, in the science department. I'm also very intrigued by science. If my leg was on fire, I would not be that fucking calm. Just like I'm intrigued by serial killers. But if I ran into one, I wouldn't be fucking yeah, calm. I wouldn't be sitting there <laughs> like, like hmm, let me see your strangle technique. I, mean, I also wouldn't have the sound mind to be like, let me cut off his oxygen. And no, I'd be like... Punching myself in the leg and like stop dropping and rolling. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think I could spontaneously combust because I would find a way to spread it to the rest of my body. Like, I just (laughs) doesn't work that way. But he did find where the whole thing happened on his thigh. It was a dry spot about the size of a dime, which is crazy to me. And it seemed like more like a scrape than a burn. And then a hole was found to have been burned through like his drawers in the perfect circle where the pain had been, but his underwear between the skin and the outer clothing remained untouched. It's so strange. And it's such a difference from the other people because the other people didn't survive, but then this little scab is what caused all this immense right. pain. And he just, and the other ones had it throughout their whole body and he had like the size yeah, of a dime on his thigh. Like that's just weird. It was like the Greek god of weather had a magnifying glass. And he hit his thigh. Yeah, he was, you know, like when you try to like kill the ants with the light, he was just like, I'm going to zero in on this little part of your thigh. The thing is, again, he was known for being calm and he was like, because it was so small and it seemed like a scrape, he was like, I don't need any medical attention. And he just went about his business. See, this is the difference between a man and a woman. I'd be like, I need answers. I'm going to a doctor. I'm going to let you research, take pictures disrobe me, do what you got to do because I don't want this to happen again. I would have had every test known to man and I would be like, you're not going to take me out of this hospital until you tell me how I can not spontaneously combust. Exactly. You see, but there's the difference between the genders right there. So, 
And he said that the strange little wound, it took longer to heal than you would like a regular wound would, but he made a full recovery and then he was just like, okay. And it never happened again? No. Magnifying glass in the sky. And my last case of someone who survived was the case of Jack Angel. He was a door-to-door salesman in Savannah, Georgia. His case is a little bit different. He claimed to be a victim of the spontaneous human combustion. He says that on November 12, 1974, while he was working, he was parked in a hotel parking lot and he went to sleep. He also lived in like a mobile home. So he claims that he woke up four days later and noticed strange burn marks on his body. He said it was on his right his right hand. He had a burn from the wrist up to the fingertips. And he stated, quote, it was just burned, blistered, and I had this big explosion in my chest. It left a hell of a hole. I was burned on my ankle and up and down my back in spots. But he also claimed he didn't have any pain. When he first woke up, he didn't feel anything. He actually showered and got dressed like usual. And nothing in his trailer was burnt. Nothing, his clothing was burnt. His bedding was fine. He said he just walked over to the hotel and then all of a sudden he collapsed on the floor. And that's like kind of the only reason he knew something was wrong. He woke up in a hospital and now he was in like crazy pain. None of the doctors could explain what happened to him. The burning seemed to happen to the tissue inside of his hand and then continued up the inside of his arm. And then his hand actually ended up becoming infected and had to be amputated. So he was on fire underneath his skin? He was, it's from the inside. The doctor said it was from the inside out. Hmm. So they searched his trailer. There were no signs of fire. There was no damage. There was no nothing. But the reason this case is a little different, and I almost didn't include it, but I still thought we should, is that he actually, this contradicts another story. In 1975, there was a civil action lawsuit filed by Mr. Angel. And in the suit, he claimed that he had been sprayed with scalding hot water after trying to fix his motorhome's water pressure. But then there was also claims that the doctors told him that whatever happened to him happened from the inside out. So that's why the case gets really suspicious. And later on, he actually changes his story back to stating that that never happened with the water pressure. So I don't know if he was trying to get money out of them. He was trying to find an explanation. Either way, it still states that the doctor said whatever happened to him was happening from the inside of his body out. And nobody knows what the fuck happened. That's crazy, dude. Out of all these different examples, there's still no verifiable explanation. Yeah, because even though they stated that there's certain things that have, like, not all of them are alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Not all of them have shrunken skulls. Not all, all of them were doing anything. something different. None of one them was had- outside. The rest were inside. The other guy was doing one thing. The other girl was not doing another. Like, it's just, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no common anything other than the fact like their spontaneous combustions weren't even the same one dude had his hand amputated the other one had a freaking dime sized dry spot and two people's bodies were burned to a crisp so and one they had have- sh- and one shrunken head there's no there's no similarities in any of these cases that's what's crazy and that is my case that came from me saying that someone was going to spontaneously combust one day i love when those little frustrated. comments <laughs> give us episodes those are always the best this was awesome wow i would have never guessed now I'm going to sit here wondering what everything that I do from now until the end of my life is going to make me spontaneous. Well, now I'm going to have to, like, at 3 a.m. wake up and make sure Charlie's still alive and not slowly burning from you should his just have furnace. a cooler of ice by the bed and just... I have to say that this makes sense because Charlie does get really red very easily. Yeah. If, out of the two of us, he'll more than likely combust. Let's put it that way. He can never get mad because what if he spontaneously I, combusts? Luckily he doesn't. But at so. least you know that apparently it stays to 
the circumference of him. So just stand back. Yeah, I'll just be all of a sudden I'll be really warm when I'm sleeping. See, that would definitely put you under investigation because they'd be like, why aren't you on fire? This podcast is insurance. I'm going to play this episode if Charlie (laughs) ever spontaneously combusts and be like, she didn't do it and I can prove it. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who Who does does that? that? Okay, so this is from HuffPost.com. And, of course, good old-fashioned Florida bringing us up another one. Missing man found clinging to capsized boat 86 miles off Florida coast. If Stuart B. wasn't already thankful for Thanksgiving, he's sure to be now. The 62-year-old man was rescued from the bow of a capsized boat early Sunday morning after a passing ship found the vessel bobbing roughly 86 miles off Florida's coast a day after B. was reported missing, authorities said. B. had set out in his 32-foot boat early Friday evening for the Port Canaveral, but experienced mechanical issues the following day that disabled his boat and left him adrift, the U.S. Coast Guard said in a statement. It was while B. was sleeping sometime after midnight on Sunday that authorities said he was abruptly woken by water rushing into the cabin, forcing him out of the boat's hatches. He clung to the tip of the bow where he was finally rescued just after sunrise when the crew on a container ship called Angelus. Yeah, so he was found waving his shirt in the air. Like, <laughs> like, like <waving>. yeah. <laughs> The container ship called Angela saw him waving his shirt in the air. And like, imagine you just see some random shirt in the fucking. But dude was sleeping. Suddenly his boat was underwater and you wave your shirt after a few hours and And someone someone finds you. You You got really lucky, bro. He really did. Photos posted to Facebook show B swimming to a lifesaver, then climbing up Angela's ladder. He appeared to be soaked to the bone. And there's the picture of him, dude. He looks like Tom Hanks in Castaway. He really does. He looks like he's been on that boat for a couple of years, not a couple, years. not a day. Leslie B., who identified Stuart B. as her uncle, reacted with great emotion to the photos of his rescue and a message to post HuffPost on Monday. Quote, I can't stop crying, she said. Though B.'s family longs to see him again, she said he's not expected to return to dry land until Tuesday. He's still on a cargo ship, but I'm told he's in good spirits. I cannot wait to see him on dry land. Angelus deported Honduras on Friday and is scheduled to arrive in Wilmington, Delaware on Tuesday, according to the ship tracking website of marine traffic. But what's crazy is dude literally said, nah, I'm good. I'll just stay on this ship. If I After just capsize. All of that, you're just like, nah, I'm not going to go home yet. It's cool. I just capsize. I'm not going to stay my ass on a ship. I'll be like, drop me off at the nearest port, please. And thank you. Like, How about you, you get mean? me on dry land right now? Because I'm soaking wet and I just almost died. Well, get this. Leslie B. said her uncle reportedly asked the U.S. Coast Guard not to retrieve him from Angeles, reasoning that he would just ride the container ship back to U.S. soil. So it's no big deal. Like, his boat's gone. He gets saved. No big deal. I'm just going to ride the ship up to Delaware even though I'm from Florida. Like, Listen, only a Floridian would take a free ride to Wilmington, Delaware. What's going on at home that Delaware. you don't want to go back to it? I'm a little concerned. Like, why don't well, you Well, considering go he has a niece, it sounds like he's one of those rugged old men that just, like, keeps to himself and, like, doesn't really give a shit about. He just wants to be one with the water. Yeah, he's one of those, like, lives in the sea. You know, like, there's a lot of guys out there on the Florida coast that are like that. So it's pretty funny. Quote, if you knew my uncle, you would probably expect nothing less from him to say that. I'm shaking my head quite a lot this morning at the situation she wrote on a Facebook post on Sunday. Well, at least he's consistent. So, yeah, apparently you can capsize and still feel the need to just chill on the the water. I would get out instantly. That's kind of like people who get into, like, really bad motorcycle accidents and then get back on a motorcycle as soon as they (laughs) heal. It's like sometimes you're just, you're just, that's it. It doesn't matter. Motorcycles scare me less than fucking with water. There's just, there's too much about water we don't know. Yeah. You already know. We've expressed. Yeah, I know how you, I know how you feel about it. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please like, subscribe, 
Check out our merch. They're great for the holidays. We have it in our description. And most importantly, stay weird, Americas. Bye. Bye.